Okay, we are back. Welcome, my friends. This is Declaring Liberty, and I am your host, as you know, Mark Pantano. Today is Friday, February 21st, and uh, I've got a bunch of things that I'd like to get to today. I'm sure I won't get to all of them, but I'd like to begin with um, the topic we spent most of the last episode talking about, and that is illegal immigration. I also have a story here about legal immigration, which you are just going to love. Of course, that was sarcasm. You're not going to like it at all. It's going to make you probably uh, mad, as it did me, but we'll discuss that. I also have a bunch of miscellaneous stuff that I'd like to get to, including some listener questions, if there's time. Okay, Um, I've got an article here. Actually, before I get to the article, just a couple... Quick thoughts. As you know, there was a Democrat debate the other day, and it was the first debate in which Michael Bloomberg participated. And uh, I don't need to tell you what you already know. Bloomberg was a disaster. I'm actually quite surprised that he was that incompetent. It's really amazing how he could not have been prepared to answer those questions that he should have known were coming. I mean, this guy's got $60 billion. He's already spent like close to half a billion dollars on this campaign so far. He can't hire some competent political advisors who could have prepared him for this debate. He, he didn't even have an answer at the ready for the stop and frisk stuff, for the sexual assault accusation stuff. I mean, they destroyed him. They destroyed him. And none of this should have been a surprise to him. He should have known he was going to get these questions. The The level of incompetence to me is unbelievable. I never would have uh, seen this coming. I mean, I know he was. he's not a dynamic speaker and all that, but you would have thought there'd be some competent prep work that went into this, but apparently not. It's just unbelievable. You know, I... I told you all a while ago that depending upon how Nevada and South Carolina went, that this race, I told you this weeks and weeks ago, that this race was likely going to come down to Bernie Sanders and Michael Bloomberg. That's sort of the, well, up until the debate that had been the conventional wisdom that had formed in the last week or so as Michael Bloomberg's poll numbers have increased. But I told you this weeks and weeks ago, before anyone was saying it. And my point was that as we see Joe Biden implode over the last several months, his campaign has just imploded. He's just abysmal showings in Iowa and New Hampshire. And that his last chance was really South Carolina and to a lesser extent Nevada, but it was really South Carolina. And that if If he did not have a really strong showing, and by really strong, I mean win the damn thing, or come very, very close, that the the establishment was going to bail on him uh, because there's not any more time. They they can't ride a losing horse anymore. They, They don't want Bernie to get it. They don't want him to be the nominee. They're banking on Joe Biden, but if Joe Biden isn't going to make it, they've got to go somewhere else. And I figured that they would go to Michael Bloomberg another establishment kind of guy with the added benefit of being, you know, ridiculously wealthy and could finance this whole thing on his own. So I thought that that's why uh, it would likely come down to a two-person race between Bernie and Bloomberg. Now I have no idea 
with this pathetic debate performance that this guy turned in. Now I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, it's more and more likely now that it's just going to be Bernie. So the choice that the Democrats appear to have before them, uh, unless somebody else starts surging, and who knows? I mean, uh, Elizabeth Warren really, really uh, did pretty well. So who knows? Maybe she'll get another look and... and with Biden's collapse and if there's a collapse in Bloomberg's support following that horrendous debate performance, maybe Elizabeth Warren will get another bounce. I don't know. We'll just have to see. But outside of that happening, the Democrats are going to have a choice. They're either going to have to go with Bernie Sanders or they're going to have to screw him over again. Those are their choices. And uh, neither one are particularly good. Uh, if those are, in fact, their choices, if that's how it turns out, if Bernie starts running away with this thing and nobody else is going to be able to catch him, then uh, I think it would it would be a big mistake for them to try to screw Bernie again. If they screw Bernie and take the nomination away from him and give it to anyone else, certainly, but certainly if they give it to someone like Bloomberg, forget about it. But really, if they give it to anyone else... There's no, ch they have no chance in November. Um, you know, they, they have a difficult task ahead of them anyway, defeating Trump in 2020. But uh, it's almost an impossible task if they screw Bernie out of the nomination because he has a large, loyal, and passionate following. And those people are still ticked off at being screwed in 2016. If they get screwed again, they're not coming out and voting for whoever it is that the Democrats nominate. And if, if that happens, forget it. They have no chance of winning. No chance whatsoever. So if it does come down to Bernie, their best option is to just go with him. They just need to ride this Bernie train and see where, see where it goes. They're going to have to get behind him. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to the conventional wisdom that Bernie cannot win. I don't believe that. I believe that he can win. Um, I don't know that he is the favorite to win. I think Trump would be the favorite to win for a couple of reasons. One, the Democrats are nuts. Um, and we don't know how far left this country has moved. We're going to find out. But I don't know if it's a majority that are that, are that hardcore leftist yet. Even as much as many of many of these states have continued to turn more blue and many reds, including many red states. I don't know if we're there yet to embrace uh, Bernie's version of democratic socialism. But we'll see. I mean, there are polls out there that have Bernie ahead of Trump. You know, but so anyways, I, you know, I don't know if, if uh, the electorate is left-wing enough to vote for Bernie. Also, the economy is good and, uh, you know, all the other reasons. Trump's loyal 95% support among Republicans. It's just going to make it very difficult for, for any Democrat this year, uh, but certainly Bernie, hardcore Democratic socialist, as he calls himself, uh, to win. But I don't think for a second that it's not possible for Bernie to win. And keep in mind this. I am hearing people from all over the political spectrum saying the exact same things about Bernie Sanders that people said about Trump 
in 2016. In the Democrat Party, you have, you know, establishment Democrats panicking. They don't want Bernie. Not because they're opposed to his radical ideology. They agree with it. Uh, they just don't think, you know, they, they take the Obama approach. Obama was every bit as radical as Bernie Sanders. He just pretended that he wasn't. And that's still where the establishment of the Democrat Party is. They are all for Bernie's radical socialism. They just don't want to say it out loud yet. They, they don't think that we're quite there yet as a country. As a country. We have to, we, they just feel like, uh, we just have to continue to lie about it for just a little bit longer. Just wait for a couple more red states to turn blue. Then we can be out. Then we can be honest about what we want. But until then, you know, we, gotta, we, we can't come out and admit it like Bernie Sanders does. We got to pretend that we're not socialists. You know, we got to do that Pete Buttigieg thing where we pretend to be a moderate. Or the Joe Biden thing. Well, Joe Biden's another, but Joe Biden doesn't even know where he is most of the time. So I, you know, that's another story. But so I'm hearing the same thing from Democrat establishment types as we heard from Republican establishment types. Trump can't win. We can't, he's going to be a disaster for the party. He's going to bring the whole party down. We can't nominate Trump. That's what the Republican establishment said in 2016. That's exactly what the Democrat establishment is saying right now. Bernie can't win. He's going to destroy the whole party. He's going to take us all down. We can't nominate him. Well, it obviously wasn't true about Trump, and it might not necessarily be true about Bernie either. Also, you know, you hear Republicans saying that Bernie can't win. You know, it's obvious, Trump makes it obvious that he would love to run against Bernie Sanders. And everybody on our side thinks it would be a cakewalk to run against Bernie Sanders. Well, again, that sounds exactly like the Democrats in 2016. Oh, they couldn't wait to run against Donald Trump. They were hoping that the Republicans would be stupid enough to nominate Donald Trump because there's no way he could win. Well, we saw how that turned out for Democrats. But I'm just saying... I'm not predicting that Bernie would win. What I'm saying is I don't buy into the conventional wisdom that it's impossible for Bernie to win. I think it absolutely is possible for Bernie to win. And if Bernie starts running away with this nomination, Democrats, if they're smart, and I would never accuse them of being that, but if they were smart, they would not try to steal this nomination away from Bernie again because they'll just shoot themselves in the foot. And they, number one, they will not win in November if they do that. They will have no chance. Their best chance is to just go with Bernie and try to unify the party around Bernie. That's their only hope. And number two, it will just splinter the party going forward. So they won't be in trouble just this year. They will be in trouble as a party going forward because the party will begin to fracture. If you screw the Bernie supporters again, um, you may lose them. There may be a divorce. I mean, Bernie doesn't even... You know, he's not even a Democrat. He's an independent running in the Democrat primary. He may just take his voters, his supporters, and go start a new third party somewhere. I mean, you never know. That could happen if you screw the guy over again. So that would just be a mistake. All right, I did not mean to get off on that tangent for so long. But uh, you know me, I tend to do that. All right, now let's back to this story, illegal immigration. I came across this story this morning having my coffee, scanning the news. Uh, this was in the San Diego Union Tribune. And it goes this way. 
A pregnant Guatemalan woman, arrested on suspicion of crossing the U.S.-Mexico border without authorization on Sunday, gave birth about a half hour later in a border patrol station in Chula Vista. Isn't that nice? How sweet. The 27-year-old woman was spotted walking with a man and two children about a mile east of the Ote Mesa port of entry around 2.30 p.m. Authorities believe they used a ladder to get over the border fence. Well, that's great. The agent who made the arrest noticed the woman was visibly pregnant, but said she did not appear to be in distress and did not request medical attention. Once they got to the Chula Vista station, the woman, the baby's father, and the two children underwent a routine medical assessment, and the woman began to go into labor. The medical staff, along with agents, prepared an area for the mother to give birth, the Border Patrol statement said. The woman gave birth around 3 p.m., and the two were transported to a hospital for further care. The mother and baby are in stable condition, and thanks to the medical resources available in our stations, this woman and her child were well cared for and received immediate medical attention, Chief Border Patrol Agent Aaron Heitke said in a statement. Our agents are well trained to manage the unexpected, and I'm proud of the work they did in caring for this mother. Well, isn't that just a beautiful thing? Everything worked, it worked well for everybody. Except, of course, uh, you and me and the rest of the American citizens who uh, continue to get screwed. Uh, number one, this just shows you that we are continuing to be invaded by the third world, which, of course, is nothing new to you. Uh, we don't really talk about it anymore. Uh, we're supposed to pretend it's no longer a problem. As I told you several episodes back, um, Trump's campaign manager, Brad Parscale, talking with Lou Dobbs, said that they weren't even going to run on illegal immigration. And uh, he explained to Lou Dobbs that there's no reason to run on illegal immigration this time because we solved that problem. Yeah, yeah, we solved it. Um, and by solve it, what he means is they convinced the Republican Party that they've done everything they can and that anything related to illegal immigration that might still be happening is not Trump's fault. And in the era of Trump, and uh, with respect to all of his support, nearly all of his supporters, that's all that matters. Uh, facts don't matter anymore. Issues don't matter anymore. Just as long as Trump appears to be doing everything he can, that's good enough for us. The, the invasion can continue. That's fine. We don't really care. Just as long as Trump doesn't get any blame for it. That's, that's all we care about anymore. So yeah, one, uh, we're still being invaded. But two, the other reason why we're getting screwed here is because we get to pay for this kind of garbage. Right? This woman is here less than a half an hour and already the American taxpayers are on the hook for thousands upon thousands of dollars because this woman gave birth uh, and was treated, well, gave birth here at the Border Patrol station. But they were subsequently uh, transported to the hospital and God only knows how long they stayed there and God only knows how, how much uh, in medical bills were racked up. Uh, but we get to pay for all that. But uh, here's a little bit of straight talk to uh, pick up on what we were discussing last time. None of this would have happened. This story would not have been a story but for Donald Trump. Two years ago almost, Donald Trump promised that he was going to sign an executive order to ban the practice of granting birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. 
Well, as you know, he has uh, done no such thing. Done no such thing. Uh, almost two years ago, he made that promise. This is one of the easier things that you could do. Yes, there would be uh, uproar over it. Yes, of course, there would be court challenges over it. But the act of issuing an executive order to stop the practice of birthright citizenship, that is incredibly easy. All it requires is telling your lawyers to draw me up an executive order to stop this practice. That's it. And any competent attorney could have, have that all done in, uh, you know, before lunch. Give it to the president. The president signs it. About a bing, it's done. That's all. That's, that's it. That's all you have to do. Uh, two years later almost, and he still hasn't done it. Why? Why hasn't he done it? Well, you answer that question. You know the answer to this question. See, this is the thing. For anyone who is honest with themselves, all you have to do is look at what's going on. Pay attention. Look at what Trump has done and what he has not done. Of course, it also helps if you actually know how government works. See, that's the problem, too. No matter what it is that Trump does or doesn't do, if you criticize it in any way, you get all kinds of excuses from the cultists. And for those of you who are new to the show, I am not calling all Trump supporters cultists. Okay, Most people listening to this show are Trump supporters to one degree or another, and almost none of them are cultists. When I talk about cultists, I talk about people uh, for whom Trump, the persona of Trump, is all that matters to them. They praise him no matter what he does. They will not criticize him for anything. They think the man can walk on water. He's the second coming. I mean, he's their political savior. He is perfect. God chose him to be president. You cannot question him. Those kind of people. Unfortunately, I don't know what the percentage is, but it certainly seems like those people constitute now a very large percentage of the Republican Party, regrettably. But those are the people who you get the mindless excuses from. Anytime you raise a serious question, lodge a serious criticism against the president for whatever he did or didn't do or said or didn't, whatever, you just get mindless excuses. And every one of those mindless excuses, or most of them, I have found in my, in my own personal dealings with these people, is that they're all based primarily off a fundamental ignorance of, about how our government even works. They don't even appear to understand the basics. So they make excuses for him, which are absurd. And which, if they even had the most basic understanding about how our republic functions, the most basic schoolhouse rock kind of understanding about how our government works, they wouldn't be making these ridiculous excuses because they're laughable on their face. But those ridiculous excuses constitute the vast majority of the excuses that I ever hear. Anyway, if you're going to be a serious person about these things, and you do possess at least a fundamental understanding about how our government works, then by now, it should be clear to you that the person that Trump presents himself to be is not who he really is. We are three years into the Trump administration. 
he made a series of very specific and very bold promises. Despite the people who still will say, oh, he needs more time, the point is, he's had plenty of time. He's had more than 75% of a term. Okay? Um, and now we are in an election year when nothing's going to get done legislatively. You know, if a president, the most productive period of any president's presidency, whether they serve one term or two terms, the most productive of any president's term is the first two years in office. That's the most productive term. Almost nothing gets done thereafter. Sometimes a little bit gets done early in the second term, but that's it. The second term fizzles out real quick. You've got the first two years of your presidency, and that's it. Usually you take a shellacking in your midterm elections, and then the, uh, you know, it's, a, it's more difficult for you in the third year of your presidency, just like has happened here. 20, 2018, we got our clocks clean, and Democrats won back control of the House. So anything legislatively uh, was, was dead on arrival. Nothing was going to happen, and nothing has happened, except the USMCA, which is a big stealing pile of crap. And that's another point. Um, where the Trump, the, the, pers the person that Trump presents himself to be, the policies that he says he supports are not what we get. We get neither the person he pretends to be nor the policies he pretends to support. The USMCA is, in a, per is a perfect example. What we hear is that it's, I hear this all the time, it's no longer right versus net left. It's no longer Republican versus conservative. It's globalist versus nationalist. And Trump's a nationalist and he's fighting against all the globalists. We just got this UN, uh, USMCA pile of crap. This is a globalist's wet dream. This is NAFTA on steroids. It's worse. So on the one hand, he pretends to be a, a, a nationalist. He pretends to be fighting the globalists, yet he gives the globalists everything that they want with this USMCA. You know, why do you think the Democrat Party is all for it? I saw in the last debate these Democrats up there, these hardcore leftist Democrats who are trying to pander to the crazy radical Democrat base in their primary, they were bragging about their support for the USMCA. That should tell you everything you need to know. So other than the USMCA, we've got nothing legislatively uh, because the Democrats control the House because, you know, we got our asses handed to us in 2018. And now we are in an election year and nothing's going to happen now. So we've got to wait until at the earliest January 2021. That's it. That's it. But anyway, so we've, you know, this, we already, three years in, we already should have had Trump making tremendous progress on all of his promises, if he was serious about keeping them. You know, I remember when I, it started becoming obvious to me early in Trump's presidency that he wasn't really serious about much of this stuff. Uh, it, it, it became obvious to me. I mean, I am a student of politics. I've been studying this crap closely for very long time. Uh, and it was obvious to me the things that the, the, the things that they were saying, the changing in the talking points, uh, the things that we were focusing on and totally ignoring. It was obvious to me that Trump had very little intention of doing almost any of the things 
that he campaigned on. What he did intend to do was to make it look like he was doing all those things while not doing them at all. And that he has been completely successful at. Absolutely successful. He's got 95% of the Republican Party convinced that he's doing everything he can on illegal immigration, uh, for example. And as we talked about on the last episode, he's doing nothing of the kind. Nothing. Not anywhere close to everything he can. And if, as a perfect example, right here, this story right here, this woman jumps, you know, her, her husband and her two kids get a ladder and they scale our border fence and they get in here. Half hour later, she's given birth. Why did that happen? That happened because we as a country are insane and we give birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. That's why these people did it. Notice they didn't, you know, they didn't come six months ago. They waited until she was just about to squeeze this kid out because they're not stupid. They know how to game this system. They understand if they get here and they give birth, then the kid's an American citizen. And if, even worse than that, the rest of the family becomes immediately immune from deportation. We call that the Trump amnesty or one of the Trump amnesties. I got this, you know, talking about these cultists who don't understand what's actually going on. Uh, printed this uh, tweet response. Okay, I was talking about um, amnesty. Oh, I don't know what it was. I was talking about the podcast episode I did last time. And I was talking about the coming amnesty and all this stuff that I was afraid of. And uh, uh, this guy writes, Donald Trump cannot sign any legislation that allows for any kind of amnesty, period. And I'm thinking, dude, he already has. See, this is what... It's like this guy... And, and so I looked at his profile and it was just nothing but pro-Trump everything. You know, he's got MAGA all over his profile. Every single tweet is either Trump is the greatest or some version of that. And he's obviously very against amnesty and doesn't realize that Trump has already signed amnesty provisions into law. No clue. He has no idea. Judging by his profile, he probably wouldn't care if he did. He'd just start making excuses how it's Nancy Pelosi's fault or something like that. But so... The fact that these illegals get amnesty for the entire family when one child is born on American soil, that's all the motivation they need for this. They got a Trump, they got a get out of jail free card signed by President Trump. You know, he just signed an amnesty basically in December, which makes it official government policy that these people uh, will not be deported now. And not only will they not be deported, you know, you got one kid is an American citizen because we're nuts. And then the rest of this criminal family, and that's what they are. They're criminals. Maybe not the kids that they dragged over here, but certainly the mother and the father are criminals. They know they were coming in here illegally, climbing over our fence with a ladder. And by the way, we're three years into this administration. How the hell is a nine-month pregnant woman getting over our border wall? Is this a new section of wall? Because if it is, then this new wall sucks. And if it's not a new section of wall, if it's an older section of wall, then why the hell has that not been replaced yet? 
Why? Because, you know, for, for a while now, we've been saying, hey, Trump hasn't built any new wall. To which all the cultists reply, but he's building replacement fence. Don't you think that's important? Well, he hasn't even re replaced all the old crappy fence yet. I mean, if you can, if a nine-month pregnant woman can get over the wall with a friggin' ladder, it's a worthless wall. Can we agree on that? And yet, there it is, more than three months into the Trump presidency, and we've got nine-month pregnant women climbing over our fence. It's insanity. And this could all end with an executive order. This not would not have happened. And this story happens hundreds of thousands of times. It's happened hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times since Donald Trump was in office. 400,000 anchor babies just like this, born on American soil last year alone. Not a damn one of them needed to happen if Trump had just signed an executive order. You know, and, and I hear, well, well, maybe he's just waiting for the second term. Uh, or, or, and I hear this too. Well, you know, maybe the reason he hasn't really solved the illegal immigration problem, because I, I tell people all the time what I tell you guys, and that is he has the tools available to him right now without any help from the courts or Congress or anyone else to almost completely stop illegal immigration in its tracks on his own right now. But he doesn't do it. And so people, the cultists, say to me, well, maybe the reason that he's not doing it is because he wants to um, run on illegal immigration uh, in order to get elected for the second term. You know, and you know, I've discussed this myself. I discussed that as a, a possible uh, motivation for why he's done virtually nothing on illegal immigration. I mean, it, it worked in getting him elected the first time, right? If he can run against uh, illegal immigration again... Uh, then who knows, you know, maybe it'll get him elected a second time. Well, that's, that's, that's possible. But if that's true, that makes it even worse. It makes it even worse because that means he's intentionally not solving this problem now in order to get himself reelected and then he'll solve it. So what happens in the meantime? We've already had over 3 million more illegal aliens enter this country since Trump took office. 400,000 anchor babies born last year alone. That means they're all American citizens. We cannot ever deport those people because they're American citizens. And because of Trump's amnesty, uh, their families are immune from deportation. And we're on the hook for all kinds of welfare benefits for them. Now think of all the millions of illegal aliens and the billions and billions and billions of dollars we all are having to spend as a result of it. All because Trump doesn't want to solve the issue in the first term so that he can run on it and get a second term? So he, so if that's his plan, then he's a dirtbag. There's no other word for it. I mean, that's your plan. You're going to intentionally allow millions upon millions of illegal aliens to come in this country just so that you could have a campaign issue. I would much prefer him to run on having solved illegal immigration. But no, maybe it is that he wants to not solve it intentionally. That would be worse. That would be so much worse. That makes me angry even to think about it. But whatever, whatever the motivation, the fact is that he's not doing it. The fact is that he knows he can issue an, uh, an executive order to at least stop this anchor baby crap. He knows it uh, because he promised it two years ago. But he doesn't do it. 
for whatever reason. But let me tell you when he might do it. You know, because I'm of two minds on this issue. On the one hand, I think that he may never sign an executive order on birthright citizenship. Because if he truly intended to, he would have done it by now. As I said, this doesn't take any time at all. He, he, if he wanted to, this would have been done by now. On the other hand, I can see him holding this in abeyance and, and bringing it out at an opportune moment to quell any uh, conservative unrest. So, for example, we know for a fact that Jared Kushner is working on his comprehensive amnesty bill. And at some point, that's going to be announced. And I told you when I think that's going to be announced. I think that'll be announced right after the Supreme Court hands down this this DACA decision, assuming they rule in favor of the administration being able to end DACA. And, and once they do, that's when I think Trump is going to unveil the Kushner amnesty bill. Because that, he's always wanted this DACA amnesty. He's always wanted amnesty. He always has. All you got to do is listen to the guy. He's told us many times that that's what he wants. He wanted to end DACA as a leverage for getting Democrats to sign on to his, his comprehensive immigration reform bill. That was what he was going to throw to them as a, as a carrot to get them to sign on to it. And that's still what he wants to do. I'm convinced of it. So what I think is going to happen is uh, the Supreme Court hands down their DACA decision, assuming it goes the right way. Then Trump unveils the Kushner amnesty bill. But a lot of people in the Republican Party are going to be upset about that. You know, even a lot of diehard Trump supporters will be upset if he uh, brings out this Kushner amnesty bill. And in order to quell the unrest on our side, that is a good time for him to pull out this executive order on birthright citizenship. Because we'll all be applauding that. And uh, when you do that in conjunction, that'll take the sting out of the Kushner amnesty bill. So, you know, I don't know exactly what he's planning, but I think it's one of those two things. Either he's never going to do it, or he's just waiting until he screws us with a massive amnesty bill, and then he will sign this executive order on illegal immigration, uh, on, on birthright citizenship. That's what I think. That's what I think. It's one of those two things, but... I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Okay, on to this legal immigration story. You'll like this. This is from MSN.com. Mulvaney says U.S. is, quote, desperate for more legal immigrants. Uh, By the way, I also posted about this on MarkPantano.com. So go and check that out. And while you're there, make sure you uh, subscribe for free to the website so you don't miss anything from there. Anyway, let me read a little from this article begins this way. Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney told a crowd at a private gathering in England on Wednesday that the Trump administration, quote, needs more immigrants for the U.S. economy to continue growing, according to to an audio recording of his remarks obtained by the Washington Post. Quote, we are desperate, desperate for more people. We are running out of people to fuel the economic growth that we've had in our nation over the last four years. We need more immigrants. So this is the White House Chief of Staff saying that we are desperate for more people 
because we are running out of people to fuel this economic growth. Wow. Um, first of all, this is just flat out bullshit. Um, <laughs> if we were growing so fast that we were running out of people, then our economic growth rate would be off the charts, right? We'd be like 10, 12% economic growth. We just, we just can't find any more people to fill these jobs. This is all lies. This is all lies perpetrated by big business that wants cheap labor. And it is now being, uh, you know, this is propaganda is being spewed by the White House as well. Uh, we have 2.1% economic growth right now at best. We do not have robust economic growth. We have tepid economic growth. This is not, this is not any kind of growth rate that would be causing us to run out of people. This is a joke. The truth of the matter is that this has nothing to do with our growth rate. This has everything to do with our big money corporate contributors to both parties wanting cheap labor. That's what it is. That's what it is. They want to expand as much as possible with as many immigrants as possible, the labor force. Because the bigger the, the, the supply of labor, the less you have to pay them. It's supply and demand. The more labor you have, the less you have to pay each worker. If you have a shrinking labor pool, you're going to have to pay those people more because the competition for that labor will be higher. And you'll have to pay more in wages and salaries. They don't want that. They want to expand the labor force as much as possible with as many you know, uneducated and poor people as possible because they will work the cheapest. That's what's going on here. And so the uh, cheap labor big business lobby is now running our immigration policy. Again, as was alluded to in that article I read to you about the Kushner immigration plan. The focus, according to the article I read to you, of the Kushner immigration slash amnesty plan is uh, business interests. This is an immigration bill being crafted to serve the pleasure of these big business, big money contributors. And you know exactly what their motivation is. It has nothing to do with caring about the sovereignty of the United States of America. All they are interested in is cheap labor. That's their only interest. That is the bottom line. And that is now the overriding concern of the Trump administration when it comes to immigration, legal immigration. Let me continue with this a little bit. During a visit to the border last year, amid a record surge of Central American families and children crossing in the United States, the president said that the country could not absorb any more newcomers. Our country is full, Trump said. Can't take you anymore, so turn around. Okay, this is the smoke and mirrors. When Trump says things like that, that is for public consumption. Okay? On the other hand, while he's saying that, making it look like we don't, you know, our country is full, on the other hand, he has his liberal son-in-law crafting a bill 
which would you know throw open the doors to millions and millions and millions of new legal immigrants to flood the labor market that's what's going on see and and people on our side will lap it up to them the the, the new pc talking point on the right is that only illegal immigration is bad all legal immigration is good it doesn't matter how many we let in all legal immigration is good. It's only l illegal immigration that's bad. And so he's playing to that. As long as he seems to denounce illegal immigration, even though he's really not doing a damn thing to end that at all, but as long as he's being seen denouncing that, and as long as he appears in the eyes of the uh, low information voters, which now uh, comprise uh, the majority of the Republican Party, Another term I'm borrowing from Rush Limbaugh, by the way, which he used to apply to the left, now also applies to the right. Low information voters, as I've explained to you. But he knows that the low information voters on our side uh, will believe that he's doing everything he can to stop illegal immigration. Uh, he also has them conditioned to repeat the idiotic talking point that all legal immigration is good. So, you know... He's, we're not going to have a problem with opening the floodgates to millions and millions of more legal immigrants because all legal immigration is good. Mulvaney's private remarks were more in line with conventional GOP views of immigration as a major engine for the U.S. economy. The White House chief of staff told the crowd of several hundred people at Oxford Union that despite the president's anti-immigrant reputation, his administration wants more foreign workers. He praised the immigration systems in Canada and Australia and said the Trump administration wants the United States to embrace a model closer to those nations. Quote, we are very interested in expanding that, he said. There you go. There you have the White House chief of staff. If anybody is uh, going to be speaking for the president, it's the White House chief of staff who handles the day-to-day -day operations of the White House. This man is in constant contact with the president. Okay, this is a vitally important role. He knows exactly what's on the president's mind. So if he is telling people in private that the president wants more immigration and that the White House's views on immigration are, quote, more in line with conventional GOP views of immigration as a major engine for the U.S. economy. This is what the rhino establishment has been saying to us for years. This is the rhino line. This is the George W. Bush view of immigration. This is the Jeb Bush view of immigration. We need more immigrants or else our economy will collapse. This is exactly what we voted Trump to end. This is the, the exact opposite of what Donald Trump promised. This is the exact opposite of what we voted for. But this is what we've got. We voted for a Trump that does not and never has existed. What we voted for was a sham. What we voted for was an act. You need to understand this. You need to understand this. We voted for the Donald Trump that was playing the role of a presidential candidate. He was acting. It was a con job. We, but we voted for that. What we actually got was Jared Kushner. That's what we got. We elected Jared Kushner. 
Not the president, not the Donald Trump that you voted for. Because that Donald Trump never existed. You need to understand that. Because that's the reality. And it doesn't do us any good to lie to ourselves about what uh, what it is that we face. That is what we face. Now, he has done some good things. There's no question about it. But on the single most important issue that got him elected, illegal immigration, immigration in general, and the single most important issue with respect to impacting the future of our country, he has done nothing. In fact, he has made it worse. Illegal immigration is worse today and has been over the last three years than when he took office. He has signed amnesty provisions into law, which invite situations like the one I read to you here, with a pregnant woman coming over and giving birth a half hour later after jumping a section of our border fence with a ladder. That is now encouraged as part of Trump's official policy. That is a natural consequence of his official policy. That is what is going to happen. That is what has been happening and is what will continue to happen. So on illegal immigration, not only has he done nothing, he has affirmatively, it means it's worse than doing nothing. He has affirmatively done things that made the situation worse. And on legal immigration, he is making the situation worse. We have even high-tech workers in this country being forced to train their replacements. You know, we are screwing over our own young people in this country. On the one hand, we are telling them that you will never amount to anything unless you get a college education. And the best college education in terms of having a successful future is to go into the STEM fields. Be an engineer. Go into high tech. So these kids did what we told them. They go to school. They go to college. They go in for high tech. They put themselves massively in debt. Then when they get out, they can't get a job because we are importing millions of high tech workers from other countries who will work for cheaper wages. They will work for lower salaries than what these students who are graduating college with massive loans can afford to work for. They can't afford to to take low-paying jobs like these people from other countries can. And those who do have these jobs are being forced out and being forced to train their replacements. This is all a direct result of Trump's legal immigration policy. And now we have his chief of staff in private, in a private meeting, telling um, people in another country that the United States is desperate for more people to come into our country and take jobs from American citizens. That is uh, your president. That is what you elected. And that is what you are cheering mindlessly. And not, you know, you specifically. I'm just talking about the collective you. The average Republican out there. The average Republican who gives Trump 95% approval. 
Why the hell should Trump have 95% approval in the Republican Party doing things like this? It boggles my mind. And that's just on the issue of immigration, legal and illegal. What about giving hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood? 95% of Republicans, most of whom are probably pro-life, singing his praises. He's given more money to Planned Parenthood to murder babies than any president in American history. Yet he gets 95% approval in the Republican Party. Why would he do anything different? You know, it's it's uh, it's not e- it's easier to keep funding Planned Parenthood than it is to cut cut their funding, because you might have to veto a bill, uh, you might get attacked by the media and the Democrats and some liberal Rhino Republicans. Why go through that? Just continue to fund Planned Parenthood. There's no need to do anything different because you got 95% approval in the Republican Party, even from pro-life people. In fact. Not only that, but pro-life people in the Republican Party, including all kinds of evangelical and Christian leaders, are, are saying you are the most pro-life president in American history while you are simultaneously giving Planned Parenthood more money than they have ever received in the history of their organization. So why would you do anything different if they are singing your praises uh, for doing what you're doing? What about the debt? Why should you bother vetoing bills? And making budget cuts that might make people angry. Why bother? You have 95% approval in the Republican Party. There's no reason to cut the budget deficit. So just let it go. Just continue to rack up more and more debt. To the point where we are now adding more to the debt than we were during the Obama administration. Barack, uh, Donald Trump, if uh, he serves two terms... And he continues to do what he's doing, which he will because there's no reason not to. He will be by far the worst deficit spending president in American history. He will have added more debt to our nation than any president in American history. Far more than Barack Obama. And nobody says a word on our side. 95% support inside the Republican Party. This is why we lose even when we win. The reason is because this is not a party anymore. As I've told you many times, this is not a political party. This is a cult. This is a cult of personality. We don't care about the issues anymore as a party. We don't care. We just care about the image. We care about the smoke and mirrors. Trump played a part to get elected, and he continues to play the part as president. You are cheering something that is a fiction. It doesn't exist. The president you are cheering is not the president we have. You are cheering an idealized version of Donald Trump, a version of Trump that you want to be true, but that does not exist. You must come to grips with this and we must convince other people of the truth or we have no choice i mean we have no hope i mean there's nothing we can do to turn this around there are not enough of us we need to wake people the hell up i don't know how we do it to be quite frank with you i really don't i'm 
I'm small potatoes, man. You know, my, my reach is very limited. I'm sure that most of you are in the same sort of position. Your reach is limited. You know? And uh, there, there are a few other people out there in honest and good, you know, honest to goodness conservative media, not the phony media that dominates our conservative media. There's a few of them out there who are, you know, trying to wake people up just like I am. Uh, maybe not as directly as I as I try to do it, but you know, we we come at this from different. This is not a put down of them. Um, I do my show different. I have a different approach. This is not a put down. There are other people out there doing excellent work as well. But the point is, comparatively speaking, they are small fries too. And you even put us all together, and we're still nothing compared to Rush Limbaugh. Put us all together, we're nothing compared to Sean Hannity. We're nothing compared to Mark Levin. Nothing. We're, we're a drop in the bucket. I don't know how we reach those people. Because look at where these people get their information. You know, probably the vast majority of them get their information from Fox News and from one or more quote-unquote conservative uh, talk radio guys. And of course, they're conservative by self-identification only in practice they're they're frauds they've proven themselves to be frauds because they do not push conservatism they are obviously no longer motivated by principle by issues by ideas that's not their motivation any longer it's obvious they are the cheerleaders of the cult you know, this is how our conservative media works now. It begins with Trump's Twitter feed. It filters down to talk radio and Fox News. And then from there, it goes into the minds of all the little Republican drones everywhere. And then they got on social media and they just repeat uh, what they have been told. Either from directly from Trump's Twitter feed or from Rush Limbaugh, or any of the others. That's it. That's what we're up against. You know, it's funny. I'm going to continue to do this, apparently. I, this is not my intent, but every time I talk about these things, I go back to Rush Limbaugh. You know, he would say that liberals try to denigrate his listeners by referring to them as mind-numb drones. You know, ditto, mind-numbed robots, that's what he said. Mind-numbed robots. Well, that wasn't always the case, but it is the case today. Not all of them, but many of them. That is the case of a great deal of the Republican Party now. They are mind-numbed robots. And they get their programming from talk radio, from Fox News, and from the Trump Twitter feed. And that's why they believe we have a president that we do not have. That is why they are mindlessly cheering like idiot clapping seals, as Mark Levin would used to refer to Democrats. Clapping seals. Um, they're praising mindlessly a figment of their imagination, a, a president that does not truly exist. And they are completely unaware of what we actually have for President of the United States. Uh, we have Jared Kushner 
as president of the United States. We have Ivanka Trump as president of the United States. And we have the Donald Trump um, of old. Well, in truth, it's the same Donald Trump. You know, when he was a Democrat, he's the same guy as he was then. But he saw an opening. He saw a way to get to the White House by playing a part. And that's what he, he did. And it worked. And he is, he is going to continue to play that part for as long as it works or until he no longer wants to play that part. Perhaps he'll drop the act in the second term. And instead of pretending that he's doing things that he's not doing, um, he'll just be honest about it maybe. Because in the second term, he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected. His motivations in a second term are different, as they are for any two-term president. They no longer have to worry about re-election. What many of them begin to worry about is their historical legacy. They no longer care about getting votes. They care about what will be said of them after they leave office. And if you want future generations to read history books written by liberals and have a positive impression of your presidency, well, then you have to do liberal things that those historians will praise. You need to let Jared Kushner write an immigration bill, an amnesty bill. You need to be remembered as the person who uh, gave amnesty to millions and millions of illegal aliens. That's what you need. That's, that's what you want. Yeah. Maybe you are the one who, who gave, um, you know, paid family leave for six months to the entire country. Forced employers all across the country to give six months of paid family leave to every worker in America. Maybe that's what you are going to do. I don't know. I don't know what, what it'll be. But I know that the motivations are different. So perhaps in the second term we will get more of uh, a glimpse of the, on, the real Trump instead of the, the character that he is playing. The role that he is playing. Okay, I can see that I've um, arrived at the hour mark here. Here's what I'm going to do. I still have more to talk about. And I'm not going to do this right now. I'm going to end this podcast. And then a little, little later today, I will try to record another podcast that I will release next week uh, to get to these other things. And the reason I'm going to do that is this. I'm going on vacation well, a sort of vacation next week. I won't be here. And so I'm going to go ahead and record another episode and release it next week because I wouldn't want to deprive you of hearing me talk for that long. That's just too, that's too long. That's too much to ask of anyone. I don't believe in torture. Uh, not unnecessary torture, so I won't do that to you. So I'll record another one. And um, I don't know what's going to happen in the news if, something really important happens and I just can't keep my opinions to myself about it, then perhaps I will record a quick episode from the road or maybe I'll do a little video that I'll throw up on YouTube or something. But failing some sort of big news, I don't plan to be back uh, for a week. So that's just the way it goes. But there should be 
If I'm able to do this today, there should be another episode coming out for you uh, next week. And so that's it. Listen, please continue to promote the show. I see a lot of you doing it, and I really, truly appreciate it. Because as I've told you, that's the only way we're going to grow this. That's the only way we're going to reach more people and wake them up. I can't do this without you. This is not just a show. This is not just me doing a show. This is my way of trying to get a bunch of like-minded, serious patriots together so that we can collectively try to make a difference. So I don't view this so much as me just talking at you. This is us together doing this thing. Um, If you don't follow me on Twitter, please do. I engage with you guys there. We talk back and forth. It's an important place. So please follow me on Twitter, you know, and I will, if I, if I don't respond to you, it's not intentional. Um, but I, I try my best to respond as much as I can. And, uh, look, this isn't the only platform. I'm also on YouTube. I've also got the web, uh, the websites and, and, um, the Facebook. So please follow me there. Promote those things too, if you can, but really promote this, this podcast and YouTube. Because I put this podcast up on YouTube, and in in the near future, I'm going to start doing some videos. Um, so we'll just we'll just go from there. But we've we've got to wake people up, and uh, I don't know how the hell else to do it. And I know that I'm not going to be successful in doing it without your help. You know, this is a a joint effort. We can't we can't do it any other way. So please continue to do that. Thank you for helping me, and thank you once again for listening. And remember, until we're here doing this again, continue to fight the left and the mindless drones in the Republican Party like your freedom depends on it, because it does.